wrapping up the third season of The Morning Show, Corsets, Monsters, and more. This is TV Plus Talk on Mac Voices. Welcome to TV Plus Talk. I'm Chuck Joyner. I'm Charlotte Henry, and we're we're back. We're we're back again, Charlotte. Um, I, I'm so pleased. Yeah, I think we should let folks know right off the bat that this is sort of a combination uh, November, December, end of year show for TV Plus Talk uh, because you want to take a little time off. I'll try to take a little time off, but I'm not going to promise yes, anything. Yes, I'm going to enforce it. I'll be checking in on you. I don't doubt it for a second. Thank you very no, much. No, no, don't. Yeah. Well, there's listen, there's turkey to eat, leftovers to finish. Like, you know, it's a busy time. I've got to help out with the leftover eating and all that vibe. I, I, I'm, sh- I'm sure we're both up to the task. I'm sure exactly, the exactly. Well, you've already had one try of it. I don't, ha- I don't get the sort of prequel in uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> never thought of it as a prequel before. Well, no, because it's kind of bigger, a bigger deal for you guys, isn't it, Thanksgiving than Christmas in some ways? Yeah, yeah. I, I like got very thing. jealous actually seeing all people's delicious-looking Thanksgiving dinners. I got very well, jealous, actually. There was a lot of pictures online. Well, just consider it inspiration. Oh, absolutely. Luckily, everyone will be pleased to know that I'm not responsible for my family's Christmas dinner, which is <laughs> a good thing for everyone. So is there anything going on with TV Plus stuff? Uh, Apple TV I mean, Plus. we've got a lot to discuss, Chuck. Let's <laughs> should we do a quick wrap up of stuff that's on its way, and then we can dive into a bunch of other stuff. Sure, because so it, it does seem like there's a lot. So go for it. Yeah, I think they're kind of going, getting ready to go big in 2024. Maybe we'll touch on that later in the show. Um, but we've got a New England Patriots documentary. Boo, hiss, etc. That's coming out on the 16th of February. It's called really, you know, in typical humble New England Patriots fashion, it's called The Dynasty. Um, Ten-part series. This comes from um, award Emmy Award winner Matthew Hamacek. It obviously features, uh, I guess we're going to get the Tom Brady show, the Bill Belichick show, you know, all that whole story and how we got to where we are. So that should be really interesting to watch. Um, you'll be pleased about this one, I think. Foundation is coming back for a third season. I am indeed pleased over yes. that. Yes, I, I thought you would be pleased. For those that don't know, it's obviously based on the Isaac Asimov's uh, trilogy of books, so that's coming back as well. Um, just a side point, I'll, I'll try not to send us too down this rabbit hole, and I think it's probably something we've touched on before. Um, Apple seems to have really made a bit of a niche for itself in the sci-fi space just occurs to me as I'm reading about this show coming back we've discussed you know I've discussed silo before haven't we there's for all mankind which is increasingly very very popular show there's quite a lot isn't there that I think Apple is quite into its sci-fi it's doing quite well at that I I guess because I pay so much attention or more attention to that than certain other genres I would I would have to agree with you Um, but if I pull back a little bit it's like they just pick and choose, uh, you know, places to throw the darts and see, you know, where the bullseye lands. Um, something that I want to talk about this Ooh. show, which, which we'll do in a second, is uh, uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Yes. Which, you know, fits into I'm that not, same genre. Yeah, I'm not sure I agree with you on the pick and choose, actually. That doesn't seem a very 
Apple approach, if I may say. What I, well, what, excuse me. What I meant by it was that they they are picking quality shows in different genres, not that they just yes, throw yes. things at the wall. You know, yeah. No, that I mean that is for sure. But I, I do think it seems to have made a bit of a virtue of its space in the sci-fi arena, which I think is quite interesting, quite clever. I I would agree, and but again, I think it goes back to quality. They they've experimented with C. Um, and that mm-hmm. was, you know, that received okay. sort of a moderate reaction. Yeah. Um, the I, the idea of doing an alternate history thing with For All Mankind was very mm-hmm. interesting. Foundation was a super ambitious project, uh, and they seemed to be pulling it off uh, to the satisfaction of the audience and, mm-hmm. and the critics. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, I, I I think that when they when they take aim at the sci-fi or genre areas, they seem to be hitting the mark. Yeah, you got you made a point that got me thinking something else. Actually, you talked about the quality that we've seen in those shows that you've watched, the sci-fi, and I guess that's one thing Apple can do. It can put a lot of money into a show or a movie, and you really have to do that with sci-fi, right? You can't have it like kind of crappy effects and it look a bit naff. So I guess because they have the money to throw at this stuff, they can really double down on to the um, sci-fi space. You know, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about it exactly that way. When you mentioned the quality and the budget and stuff, it got me thinking of that. I do wonder. Yeah, well, in today's, I mean, today's sci-fi audiences are a lot more discerning and a lot more (laughs) picky, you know, that you can't just, to your point, throw in garbage effects that maybe would have been fine in the 1980s or even 90s or even early 2000s. So... Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so go on then. While we're talking of sci-fi, Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, this is not one I've dived into yet. What, what are you making of it? Um, I've, I've been through the first two uh, episodes. I haven't gotten mm-hmm. – just I haven't had time. But um, I've, I decided I'd give this a shot, really expecting I'll watch that one episode and throw it away because um, I've never been a huge you know, monster, one of the, 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 the giant monsters. Mm-hmm. And this this is just so good in the first two. Oh, really? I have absolutely enjoyed it. I think it is. I mean, it's one of those now that I want to put at the top of my watch list um, above Ooh. a lot of other things because it's it's being handled well. Um, it is not. It, it's. I, I don't want to. I'm, I'm trying desperately not to do any spoilers, but yeah, it's it too feels new like spoilers. Well, yeah, but it's let's put it this way. Yes, you see you're seeing plenty of monsters, but you're not necessarily just seeing the the smash, you know, destroy this city, that city, the other city and then move on. It's a a, a bit more of a story. And so okay. we'll see how it plays out, but right now I, I mean would, I would tell anybody that's even marginally interested, give it a shot for at least the first two episodes and see if it's for you. I was slightly put off about it because I assumed it was going to be that crash bang waller monster bangs into a building. And look, I've said I say it the whole time. I'm not adverse to silly TV. In fact, I am distinctly pro nonsense silly TV. Um, but I wasn't sure that was one for me. But maybe I should. Maybe that should be a bit of a holiday time watching if it's a bit fun and a bit silly. Well, I, uh, it not not. It, that's just it. It's not fun. Well, I mean, depends on how you define fun. <laughs> but it, it's not silly. 
that's that's the okay. thing that I was concerned about that okay. it would you know it would go the silly route and so far it's not it's it treats the the topic very seriously and uh, not seriously sorry it treats monster, the topic of monsters seriously well okay in universe it's it treats it seriously um and that's that's something I I get a little bit annoyed with yeah. with some of the genres out there that are just a little too smirky, a little too tongue in cheek. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I agree with that. If you're watching something that's not, a, you know, if it's a bit lighthearted or a bit, you no, know, obviously fictional and a bit daft, let's say, let's put it that way, you don't want it to feel like the people who are making it are taking, sort of taking the mick out of you and making you feel silly for watching it. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. So, so. I, I get like there can be in jokes and a bit of silliness and a bit of you don't want things to take themselves overly seriously, but you don't want to feel like you're being mocked for watching something. Yeah, and you, I, I just I'm I'm trying to find the right right phrase, but um, this the not satire, but the um, the the things that just if if you if you buy into it, buy into it, and if you're going yeah. to make fun of it, then make fun of it. But don't try to dance between the two because it just doesn't work. And I think you you off-put at least part of your audience, no matter which way you go. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I get that. I get that. Um, it's got Kurt Russell in it, Wyatt Russell and Annie, Anna Sawai as well. So, you know, decent cast there. Yeah, and the effects so far have been up to the standard we were talking about earlier. Nice, nice. Um, well, I've been watching something somewhat different to you. Uh, I've been watching Buccaneers, which I don't really like period dramas, but it looked kind of fun. And I thought I'd watch it for the show. And I, I watched the first episode and it is fun. It's clever. It's again, I won't do any spoilers, but it's about a group of girls in 1870s New York. Um, and one of them, you can find such straight away, is marrying a British kind of somewhere in the British nobility, I think, basically. And he's going back to London and her girlfriends, who are her bridesmaids, also come back to London. And it's this idea of seeing the sort of brash Americans in refined 1870s London. And it's, as for someone that doesn't really like period dramas, I really enjoyed the first episode, actually. Acting's good, the sets and the clothing and all of that is done really well. I really, really like the sort of female relationships, that female friendship. I think is demonstrated really well. I think it it's probably a bit of a lazy comparison, but it has a little bit of a Dickinson, bit, you know, that how Apple did that, you know, older stuff with slightly little modern twitches and twists on things. So I I enjoyed it. I'll probably stick with it. It's you know it's a pretty well done series so far as I can tell. I, I'll say one thing. It's um I think the storylines are pretty obvious. I think I could tell you now where the series and the season is going to go. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. That You know, it's, it's pretty good. I, when I saw this announced, I was disappointed it wasn't a pirate movie or a pirate sure. series. Because, sure. you know, Buccaneers conjured certain images. And so I <laughs> yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Well, yeah, that would be interesting like to it. see the play on the word there. Yeah, it did not feel like this was uh, – I, I was part of the target audience for this one, so. No, maybe not. It's interesting. It's not blown up the TV Plus charts. It's about seventh as I'm looking at it of the, in the top ten. 
but as I say, I've really, I, I, I enjoyed it more than I thought, which I think is quite a good compliment, really. And I can see myself sticking with it just to find out what happens. And, you know, it's good fun. It was, uh, there's all this stuff about, you know, kind of debutantes, balls and that kind of thing, which uh, rather make my stomach turn, but they're done very well for the context of them. And there's, there's the knowingness that it's now, you know, that those things are really rather gross. So I thought that was done well as well. <laughs> That's yeah. a whole other show that why you object to debutante balls. Yeah, well, indeed. But it is it is clever and the relationships between people are clever and this kind of desire for social mobility and all that kind of thing. It, it's, uh, it was done well in the first episode. I think it's probably worth watching and sticking with. Yeah, noted. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. Good acting as well. It's fun. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of corsets and uncomfortable shoes going on, but you know, we cope. We cope. Um, well, I guess while we're talking of shows we're currently watching, we should probably finish up now that we can do spoilers. Because if you haven't watched it already, I can't help you. Uh, we can wrap up our thoughts on the morning show. You first. <laughs> me first. Okay. Oh, you put me under pressure. Um, there were too many storylines going on. In like, it was all a bit much by the end. We didn't need like how I lost track of how many storylines there are. About five shows between space rockets, hacks, takeovers from a barely disguised Elon Musk character, love affairs, French. Like, do you know what I mean? It was all a bit much. Now, I accept to a certain point that is the reality of life and it's the reality of life in a newsroom, that there's always stuff going on. I think the point that took me over the edge, again, spoiler, 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 was when you find out Bradley Jackson's brother was at the Capitol on January 6th and she saw him and deleted the footage. Do you know what I mean? That was sort of one thing that was all a bit, too much you could have picked any of moments but for me that was my personal moment where i thought it was all a bit much i agree with you on too many storylines it, it was like they were trying to take every single character and put them under in, into a, an adversarial situation of mm. some kind and then tried to wrap it up all in in one last show to their to their credit, I felt like they actually accomplished that. I, I'm with you. I think there were too many, but since they decided to go in, they went all in, and yeah, it felt like you know everything really did blow up in that last episode to the point that it, they were it was resolved. You know that all the duplicity and everything kind of came home to roost, and I I I ended up enjoying the series or the season, because of the last episode. Up to that point, it had felt very uneven for me. I had episodes I really loved, wanted to see what happened next, and then the next episode came, and it's like, okay, where's the follow-up? Yeah. And so, you know, that that unevenness bothered me a little bit. But again, by the time we got to the end, I can look back and say, at some point, maybe in the distant future, I'll do a rewatch recognizing that there will be a payoff at the end. But it felt like along the way, there just were not enough payoffs to really keep me wanting to come back. I, I was coming back almost out of a sense of obligation. 
Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. And you're right, completely right, that that last episode did wrap things up nicely. Because they did make sure that pretty much every storyline that needed resolving was resolved. They didn't, I didn't think, particularly wrap up uh, Bradley's love story. But apart from that with the Juliana Margulies character, but mostly they wrapped it up. Although I, I think I nearly texted you actually because I was watching the final episode and I was like, sorry, is there any way that two major networks would just be allowed to merge and like the FCC or competition commission or whatever wouldn't be like, nah. Like that seemed crazy to me. Um, That's a point I hadn't really considered. I guess maybe my suspension of disbelief had just... Yeah, been, you need been, to embrace your inner media nerd. Yeah, well... <laughs> Well, see, you forget that I'm not in the business like you are. So, you're, you, but from the business standpoint, I'm surprised that didn't occur to me. Yeah, it just seemed a bit funny. But anyway, it was a nice way of wrapping it up. Um, we know that it's coming back for season four as well. That is on the cards, so that's interesting. I heard Brian Stelter, who's booked up in the morning. The whole thing is based on talking about that. So it's coming back. There was a sense of chaos to it, though, that I kind of, I guess, I kind of appreciated and kind of drained on me. And I know what you mean by saying you watched it out of a bit of a sense of uh, sort of obligation. You know, but let's go back to the fact that they were they had set this at the beginning of the pandemic. And so maybe we're being too hard on it. Maybe that sense of chaos was supposed to that be was, reflective. Yeah, season of, two was the pandemic. Was it? Okay. Yeah, season two was the whole pan- right. basically covered yeah. the pandemic. You're season right. one, was, season three, we see one episode of them all in the pandemic, but mostly it's not. Yeah, I mean there were a couple of those play. There were a couple of references here to it, and so of course, yeah, they loved a COVID reference. Yeah. yeah, but but I mean, again, maybe the whole idea was that there was that sense of chaos mm. as as we came back. So I don't, I don't know. Again, I mean I've. Along the way, I would have not given it high marks at the end. I definitely would be giving it more than a passing grade. That it, it is, is worth the time. You just have to recognize that you, you're going to have to wait for the big payoff at the end. Yeah, I, and I, I really do appreciate your point that they, um, they did sort it out all at the end. And I think probably we have to accept the reality is in like – high-flying business and media, there's going to be loads of stuff going on all at once, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm just Especially- not sure it involves rocket cyber attacks, withholding information from the FBI. Um, I don't know what else. I've missed at least four different <laughs> storylines, haven't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, you know, that was almost necessary to have all of the characters reach their breaking mm. points yeah 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 i thought greta lee in this season was particularly fabulous i thought yeah. she was great in it yeah um, I, I mean there was there was no one whose performance i would question you know for what they were given i i thought they all acquitted themselves very very well okay i say this is a millennial woman so please understand how painful this is for me to say I'm not sure Jennifer Aniston quite packs the punch she thinks she does. Okay. There's a lot um, of gasping and oh my godding and all the rest of it without much 
like subtlety to the performance. Okay. Uh, Is that me? No, I'm not a millennial woman, so I can't pass judgment. (laughs) No, but you know what I'm saying about her performance. Yeah, I, I, but again, she, she did what she did with what she was given by the writers. I'm not defending, defending or endorsing Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. I'm just suggesting that you know they, the writing for her character seems so somewhat uneven. Mm, yeah, I mean, she's obviously meant to be this big diva figure, which obviously she pulls off well, and you have to put that into context. I just thought there could have been a bit more sort of subtlety and variation sometimes in the performance. Um. Maybe so. I mean, it it's it seemed like there that there was a lot of reaction. I, she didn't quite come across as the diva all the time. Mm, maybe. Which, which there's you know, obviously which, layers to the character. That's fair. Yeah, which I mean surprised me because early on, in in I guess in season one, I really thought that was going to be her character, mm. and then to your point, the layers started to appear so that you really didn't feel like you fully understood the character at any given moment, which that may be the nature of any, any one we, we each meet, you know, Mm. that we think we understand them and we, we tend to put them in just that one or two layer thing. And then you find out that, yeah, they do have something deeper. I thought Reese Witherspoon was brilliant this season. I really like her and her portrayal and the sort of conflicts in that character and the trauma of that character. And there were a lot of conflicts and a lot of trauma. <laughs> yeah. This brings me, I don't know if we should, no, I'll leave. I, I wasn't convinced particularly about, about how the death of her mother played out. I thought it was very clever. The mum was obviously meant to typify a kind of anti-vax you know, COVID skeptical character, right? That was the point of the mother who we don't really meet and the brother's looking after her. But I thought the kind of rapid deterioration of I'm looking after mum to, oh my goodness, mum's dead isn't quite reflective of some of what we know really happened to people who did unfortunately and tragically lose people during COVID. I and yet I've seen I, I personally have seen people in huge stages of denial. Not mm. just from COVID, but just in general. That yeah, you know, oh everything will be fine. Oh, it's just a cold, you know, nothing. And then it turns out to be a whole lot yeah, more. Yeah, and I thought it was so. important to have that kind of character. Because that was particularly like that was an important part of what went on. And it was important to have that. But do you I mean I I, I sort of laid all of that on the brother the brother character because he was yeah. the one that was doing all the representing that she was she was in not in in any significant distress right. and, yeah. yeah and then if you you flip it around and think about why didn't he you know bring up his participation at the capital riot earlier yeah you know so yeah. it it almost felt like okay maybe he was overwhelmed with all kind of things and he was just pre- trying to pretend that everything would be okay and it ended up obviously not being. Yeah, it ended up not being. Um, yeah, we. I guess we'll find out in season four what happens once Bradley and the brother have been to the FBI because that's how we end, right? Them going into the field office in New York. 
Um, so that will be interesting to see how that goes. My guess is we're not going to see Bradley Jackson disappearing from the airwaves. I would think not. I would think not. I also thought um, the, the Yanko Flores character, the way he was used, was interesting. Often, uh, you know, often a difficult and quite lightning rod figure when they're having debates about, say, race and those kind of things. Um, yeah, I didn't feel like he was explored as much as he could have been. I mean, when the mm-hmm. dust settled, you kind of you kind of saw him achieve a certain status. But mm. along the way, he—I don't want to say—I don't want to say pawn. That's not exactly it. But it just didn't feel like he was as much in the the storylines as maybe he could have been. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. I think. What a lot of the characters do in the morning show, and it's both the strength and the weakness of the show, is they're kind of representative of a wider point, right? Okay. You I know, can see that. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yanko is meant to be the Latinx guy who's not particularly wanting to be involved in race politics, say, or there are, do you know what I mean? There are different characters represented. We've already touched on, you know, Alex being the diva, you know. 20-year veteran of TV news. She's the diva character. Bradley's the kind of upstart. We've, you know, we, we've seen that we obviously see the takedown of the old ownership for, you know, the kind of racism, for the racism and being completely out of touch and out of date on air. We see all that stuff playing out. We see, you know, Karen Pittman's brilliant performance as Maya Jordan, uh, you know, the one who's battling inside to kind of, deal with some discrimination and, you know, discriminatory issues in, you know, inside. They're all kind of meant to typify a certain figure. And that, I guess that often happens, but you don't have an infinite cast. You have to use people to display, be different people, right? Yeah, you're right. And, but, but you bring up something that I did want to touch on. And that is that I felt like the one place that just took me out of it, that would never, never have been allowed to happen would have been the the interview on air. I, there's no way. I, there's just there's there's no way that that would have taped, maybe edited, perhaps, but live. You know, with, with with those accusations. I mean, I I felt like that was in poor taste from every every angle you could take it from. You know, from the race angle, from the. It's an interesting from, one. Yeah, from from the age angle, well, you know, it just it just it just I, that just so seemed the most unbelievable thing that has been on that show. Yeah, and again, it was something it was meant to demonstrate and display a point, wasn't it? As opposed to perhaps be totally realistic. But I also think there is a thing now in media and sort of modern crisis management where people think transparency and up, being upfront is the way to go. So that is, I can see how they got to that point. Yeah, I can too, but I just don't think, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to draw an, uh, an analogy for real life and I just really struggle with it. I just don't believe, because they kept saying this is the only way. This character has to interview right. that character on air live. That's the way it has to be. Right. And, and I just don't think that's, no matter how, transparent or how you know 
whatever uh, that you feel you have to be that in the real world that would not have happened. Probably not. Although, as I said, I can sort of see the argument they're making, which I do think happens in modern media and in modern crisis management. Uh, what we're talking about, senior people and members of the board, we have to talk about my favourite cameo in the whole thing. I think I've mentioned it before. Lord Stephen Fry, of course. The wonderful Stephen Fry turning up as, as chairman of the board. Um, I just loved seeing him in it. Obviously, you know, as a Brit, he is our rep. You know, he's our representative around the world, of course. And so, I just loved having Stephen Fry on the show. It, I mean, again, he he played a great character. They, yeah. It's interesting how we're having this conversation about the characters themselves versus the situations that they were put in, because you know the characters seemed largely consistent but not completely some of the situations seemed very consistent but then not so much at least from my perspective and so it's an interesting mix of the two where something just something someone did something that was not realistic or a situation arose that just would never have happened yeah that might be right um the situation about is her being interviewed by the character chris hunter was a really great performance as a new character by Nicole Bahari, which I, I thought she was great throughout the season. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that Chris Hunter character in season four, because obviously we end with talk of her leaving and going back to sports broadcasting. Um, of much more, she was very forthright in like the way she was on social media and stuff. Again, a character that's typifying a broader issue, you know, demonstrating a broader issue of how celebrities deal with, you know, personal political issues online, the threats, uh, celebrities, particularly celebrities of color have to, are subjected to and the threats and the you know horrible situations they are subjected to. I thought they used her again. I thought her performance was great and it was very clever how they introduced that as a new character. Uh, which I think it probably needs to show. It does need a bit refreshing with characters, new characters like that. I also think what's interesting about this discussion is you work in the media. That's that's your profession. And so you're seeing... Allegedly. Through, uh, well, <laughs> I think you're doing okay. Um, I'm looking at it more as just a viewer. And so sure. you're you're seeing things that as you, as you mentioned them, it's like, yeah, okay, I, I can see that if I take your perspective, but I'm taking a perspective of someone who's sitting down wants to watch is, is looking to watch a drama that's interesting. Mm. And I know we're going to talk mm. about it here. So I might be paying a little more attention from a different angle than I normally would, sure. but more from an entertainment angle. That's, those are where my comments are coming from. Some of your comments mm. are clearly coming from your journalistic background. Mm. I think also I've obviously mentioned Stephen Fry, but we do have to mention the other major cameo new arrival for season three. We haven't touched on it at all, but that is John Hamm, who is obviously a major figure throughout. I have to say, look, I love. I thought John Hamm was great. He, the point you made about Jennifer Aniston, he did as much as he could with the material he was given. I think, and and it's a you know it's he put in a very good performance. It wasn't very subtle, was it? <laughs> I mean. Yeah, but is someone at that level of power and influence, are they subtle? 
No, no, he. That's what I'm saying. He did the right by the material, but literally writing effectively Elon Musk. It was kind of not that subtle, was it? Well, the writers, no. The, the, from the writing standpoint, you're right. It was the not character subtle. is like pretty obvious, isn't it? Yeah, and and I've we we could get into a big discussion about that. I guess I've. They care. If that was supposed to be Elon Musk, then they portrayed him with all the worst parts of Elon Musk that people believe. Sure. And that feels a little unbalanced to me in reality. But, you know, again, we're trying to balance that reality thing versus the, the in-universe aspect of, of this particular show. Um, he was supposed to be the guy that was wearing the black hat. Even when you thought he might be wearing the white hat, he was still supposed to be wearing the black hat, and he he lived up to it. I think my problem with it is because I had also watched Succession, where they have a very similar storyline about a tech entrepreneur's takeover and a a very similar character who's obviously meant to have that kind of Elon Musk vibe, and it was done just so much better in Succession and it had so much more subtlety in succession. And I understand why they wanted to do it in the morning show. But it, having watched Succession, it just didn't work as well. I think that's what bothered me about it. Okay, so educate me. Because um, I did not watch Succession. And you've already... Sorry, what? Ra- you've, yeah, you've already roundly chastised me for that on the show. Thank you very much. Um, I thought you so- might have sorted it out by now. Uh, no, there's this there's a little thing called time that presents a challenge. Yeah, no, no. I hear you. But but so t- tell me this: in the succession character, excuse mm. me, in the succession storyline, was there more time? Because we had a limited number of episodes for the morning show. How long did that particular storyline? No, I play think out? it's either. Yeah, it's a good Similar? question. I think it was either the same number of episodes or slightly less in succession. There might have only been eight episodes in succession, although one of them was, you know, 90 minutes feature length episode. Okay. So then maybe what we're talking about here is the issue of having too many storylines and have having that particular one not adequately addressed um, to our satisfaction. Or perhaps may I politely suggest the quality of writing was slightly better on succession. You may poli- you may politely or impolitely suggest it because I haven't. I seen think it, that's so. really what it comes down to because there's nothing actually that wrong with John Hamm's performance. Oh no, no, I I take nothing away from John Hamm. Yeah, I don't think the problem was his performance. I think the problem was it was a pretty unsubtle character that was written, unfortunately. And you might have got away with it if they hadn't done Succession. But it definitely was obvious having watched both. And it would be interesting to hear from listeners and viewers to see, you know, how they felt about that. Because mm. how many of them are out there like me who did not see Succession? And did they have the same feelings about it? Or the yeah. folks who did, do they have the same feelings that you had? Certainly. Um, well, because we've got a lot more to discuss now that we've got, we've got a slightly extended Christmassy show. We, I'm going to end on Christmas, by the way. Don't worry. I've got some Christmas show chat for you. Um, I'm not letting you get away from me without some Christmas show chat. But there's been a the sort of week, few days as we're recording this, there's been some very big chat about Apple TV Plus and Paramount Plus bundling up. The story was originally broken uh, in the Wall Street Journal. 
And I think that's pretty interesting. They're both on the smaller end of the streaming platforms, aren't they? They're not competing with Netflix or Disney Plus, are they? Even probably, I'm not sure on the numbers on Peacock, but my guess is at least Paramount Plus definitely has less than Peacock, I think. We don't ever know, do we? (laughs) Apple never tells us how many people have TV Plus, let alone how many people pay for it. So we don't really know. But um, what do you make of this potential bundling? I I don't know. I mean, it feels like a good fit, um, I think. Uh, being a Star Trek fan, uh, and no, no mistake about that, I feel like this fits in t- pretty well with – because that seems to be the big thing of, for Paramount, Paramount Plus, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it is their – is their crown jewel um it's one of the yeah yeah well it's i mean star trek they're obviously trying to make yellowstone in 1883 they thought were going to be big hits they obviously hope the curse can be a big breakout hit as well but my guess is you're right and that lots of people buy paramount plus because they want to have access to everything star trek yeah agreed and so, and the other thing too that I think is interesting in hindsight is Apple's sort of surprise move to raise the, their prices. Mm. And now this comes out. Did, did it put the two of them a little less in competition, or did they see it as okay? We're we're delivering equal value for equal dollars. Now we're going to bundle it together, and hopefully, people will see it if they get a little little savings on both. Um, I, I thought that was an interesting, and that may be just my. My interpretation. I have no idea. No, I think I don't think you're too far off the mark. Actually, look, we know it's been discussed for a while in the world of streaming that a lot of the smaller services, which, as I say, you have to include Paramount Plus and Apple TV Plus in, are going to have to bundle to do to survive at all. There's going to be the big winner. We know Netflix is a big winner. Disney Plus isn't going anywhere. It's sort of a scrap for everything else. Um, there's obviously a unique thing about TV Plus, which is always worth reiterating, that it's only original content. There is basically no catalogue. Whereas for Paramount Plus, because of the exactly the point you made about Star Trek, we could also put Top Gun in there, a couple of other bits. The catalogue is almost more value valuable than the new stuff they haven't really had a breakout hit as i say they're trying to do it with the curse but i don't think they've had a breakout hit yet um so you can see where there's an alignment one's got a catalog one doesn't one's got some standout originals that people like i mean they obviously missed the boat with ted lasso but there may well be others you can see where it lines up they're similar price points i can see how it might work I think it works for both of them. Exactly. Frankly, I, I've, if you if I break it apart and say who else would I like to see one or the other partner with, I'm not sure there's a really good answer there. That that either one would be overshadowed, but by, by any of the other potential partners, or might be drugged down by some of the other potential mm. partners. This this Peacock's feels, obviously an interesting one. Ah, uh, yeah, but Peacock has its own attitude. You know, it, I mean, it, and that it just is. That's not a, a critical statement. It's just a statement of fact mm. that they seem to be shoving out a lot of content. From what I've seen, 
I question sometimes the the longevity of it. I question the maybe not the quality of it, but but it just feels like they've been f- trying to find things to feed, you know, out through that stream, as and creating feed the beast of it. Yeah, then then maybe I I don't want to say nobody wants to see, but just it just doesn't feel like maybe it's up to the standards necessarily of say the Today Show or some of the NBC News mm-hmm. um, stuff. So, mm-hmm. and that depends on what your thoughts are on on the Today Show or or some of that. So, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I I don't know. I, I but again, I feel like this is a a logical pairing. <gasps> Yeah, obviously on Peacock, it's bundled kind of already here in the UK with Sky. You get some Peacock content as part of Sky packages, which is mm-hmm. worth remembering as well. Um, I I do think this could work. I guess the price point would be interesting. I have to say I was a bit irritated when I saw all the Apple services bundles in, and services individually, including TV Plus, going up. I was not impressed when I got that email. Well, welcome to, you know, the end of 2023. Indeed. And you're quite right to point out it didn't help that the Apple email was one of a succession of emails I'd got asking me for more money. No, and I mean, we've talked about that, 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 that we felt, I felt, I won't speak for you, was part of Apple's strategic advantage. On the other hand, it, the, the whole endeavor, the whole Apple TV Plus endeavor has to make sense. And if yeah. that means charging a little more to make it make sense, to continue to do what they're doing, because, I mean, percentage-wise, they have had a, a number of popular popular shows, not the breakout hits you're talking about, but they've had a number of well, very well-received mm. Critically and and just from a viewership standpoint, um, and so you know maybe again maybe this is one more way to get more people to put eyeballs on those shows that they haven't because right now I don't correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think there's any Apple TV Plus show, not movie but show that has been available anywhere outside of Apple TV Plus. Oh no, I, I can't think there of one. That's sort of the whole vibe of, well, there was a row, wasn't there? It might have been last Christmas or the first Christmas TV Plus existed over the Peanuts holiday specials. And I think they had to do agree with PBS that they could still show them. Right. right. But generally, um, you are correct. And they, and they, those, at least those initial, old, <clears throat> pardon me, old Peanuts favorites were not Apple TV Plus productions. Indeed, it's the only non-original content on there, basically. Right. They had been acquired, but they were yeah. not. So that that exception sort of made sense. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's right. It did. Um, it's it's going to be a real interesting year, I think, 2024 for TV Plus because there's a lot of content to come out, as we've discussed. Um, they obviously are going big on the movies. Needed things, you know, needed. Killers of the Flower Moon and the like to be big hits, and that's going to be back on, you know, that's on TV Plus now. So there's a lot going on there, but it's a, you know, they're apparently, according to the Wall Street Journal article, uh, I'll quote it, I'll read it directly. Both TV Plus and Paramount Plus uh, had a customer defection rate known in the industry as churn of more than 7% in October, a higher rate than the 5.7 average for the whole streaming industry as a whole, according to antenna data, i.e. people are quite happy 
to sort of quit. And maybe the logic is if they're teaming up, there'll be more to keep you compared to them, you know, subscribe to them. And I'm going to take the raw data and say that, okay, I, I get it. I understand what they're saying. Not sure that I completely agree with with that particular assessment, mm-hmm. um, because they're they're taking the they're taking the churn numbers and they're ascribing their opinion of why they're why they're churn. yeah. So that was my opinion. The the quote ended on about antenna data. My guess is that they're thinking the churn rate means they need to team up. Right, and okay, I mean maybe so, maybe so, but I'd be more interested in going back and. I personally would be more interested in going back and charting, okay, when did the price increases come for those services mm. versus the churn rate, you know, versus mm. Netflix, Hulu, all the others, and when they announced and what their churn rate was when that happened. Mm. I, so it's and, – and I have not done that, nor do I intend to because no, no, no. it's water under the bridge. Not too sure. Yeah. Um, just to – I guess we should wrap up really, but – I'm very excited because Slow Horses is back. I loved season one. I need to binge season two. And now we've got season three. Absolutely love that show. It's one of the best things on TV+. Plus, So I'm very excited for that. Uh, and I guess we should end, really, on Christmas, shouldn't we? We've got okay. Christmas shows on TV+. Plus. We've got a Charlie Brown Christmas, Spirited, which is the Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds Christmas movie there from 2022. Uh there's the Velveteen Rabbit this year, and there is Hannah Waddingham's Home for Christmas. Ted Lasso's Hannah Waddingham uh, has a Christmas special on TV Plus as well. I haven't got Mariah Carey this year, which they did a couple of years in a row, but we do have Hannah Waddingham. And I've, I did not know Hannah Waddington before, um, no. before Ted Lasso. I had no idea she could sing like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, she is very, very impressive. So, Very yes, and and I but again I think it's there's so many things Apple's doing that are that are interesting. This is one of them that they're taking mm. a character from one of their standout shows, taking her and putting her in a completely different light, one that she absolutely deserves and can deliver on. And mm. so, you know, I, I mean, would it, would ABC, NBC, CBS, would any of the streaming other streaming services have tried to do that? If they have, I've missed it, but I mm. I don't think so. So that's one of the things I love about what we're seeing with Apple TV. They are experimenting with some different things. Sometimes the experiments are so subtle, you may not notice them, but they are there. Mm. And whether they pay dividends or not, long or short term, is going to be fascinating to watch. Yep. I should also mention there's It's Christmas Time Again, Charlie Brown from 92, available on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh I think that's everything Christmassy. If you find something else, let us know because you know, well, hey, we like a, you know, we like a Christmas special. Are you going to be sitting down to any of them? I'll probably sit down to the Charlie Brown Christmas. Nice, nice. Well then, I guess on the holiday spirit, we should leave ho, it ho. there. Ho 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 ho. Well, thank you all for, I guess, joining us for this first run of TV Plus Talk here in 2023. It really means a lot to us that you've watched it, listened to it, downloaded it, shared it. Um, yeah, just a big thank you, really. And I echo that as well. This was a little bit of an experiment Charlotte and I tried, decided to try, and I think it seems to be working out very, very well. I know I Well, we're having it. fun. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I hope the rest of you are as well. Indeed. So I guess we will so, see you. 
Yeah, so Charlotte, bef- before before we go, they ha- you have to tell them where they can find you. Yes, well, head over to at Charlotte A. Henry on basically all of social media and you'll find me there. Um, or head over to theedition.net. I blog on tech and media there. You can also sign up to my newsletter there or just head directly to newsletter.theedition.net. Um, and you can sign up for the twice a week newsletter plus extra podcast episodes. And of course, it will make my Christmas. And I will love you a lot if you sign up for a paid subscription there. So thanks very much. And you can find me at macvoices.com. That's where we do a lot of uh, a lot of great shows with a lot of interesting people talking tech through an Apple lens, of course. Um, we are in the midst of, as, uh, we, as we recorded this, we are still releasing holiday gift guide shows where we get some of our friends to come in and tell us about some of the products and services they would like to give or get over the holiday season. And on all the socials, you can find me as at Chuck Joyner. Charlotte, happy holidays to you. I hope you enjoy your break, and we will be back in January with even more Apple TV Plus talk. Happy holidays to you, and I look forward to seeing you then. Thanks for listening. Visit MacVoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices each month. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.